Hello and welcome to episode number 42 of the Beta Bay Podcast. I'm your host, Seb Fry, and it sure has been a long time since the last episode of the Beta Bay Podcast. What can I tell you? It's springtime. Uh, it's a busy time. I had a bunch of people lined up and there were some cancellations and schedule conflicts and all of that. And it just seemed to go on forever. And this week's guest, I've been trying to get him on for five months, and there's been a lot of scheduling conflicts with him, but finally, I was able to sit down with him and pick his brain and explore the deep, dark depths of mold. Mold is a four-letter word, especially in the real estate business, because there's so many issues around, you know, like what causes mold, how to prevent mold, how to repair mold, um, you know, mold toxicity. Uh, I mean, like there's just, mold is a can of worms. And if you have a house with a mold problem, it can be very difficult to sell that property because so many people are afraid of mold. So I learned a ton talking with Kevin. He really broke down so many aspects of mold in residential properties. I learned a ton, uh, and I think that you will too. So without further ado, please sit back, relax, and listen to what Kevin Core has to say. All right, Kevin, how are you doing today? I am great. How are you? I'm hanging in there. Hey, man, thanks so much for coming over and uh, doing this in-person, live, in-the-same-room podcast episode. Oh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. All right, very exciting stuff. So listen, um, so our listeners can kind of like get a feeling for who you are and what you're about, I'd like to ask my guests if they could tell us a story, just sort of to help them get a feel for like who is Kevin Core. Do you have like a... A story you can share with us? Yeah, I've got a, a short, funny story of, on how my wife and I met. Uh, let's see, I was probably freshman or sophomore in high school, uh, back when emailing and instant uh, Yahoo messaging was a thing. And uh, so basically, we had a mutual friend. Uh, she was in Texas. My wife, uh, she lived in Texas at the time. Our friend lived in Gilroy, I believe, or Paso Robles, either one. Um, and so there was a big group email, something about, hey, if you don't send this to 10 people, you're going to die tomorrow, one of those type of things. And so my wife, uh, she had hit reply all rather than just replying to our mutual friend. Uh, and so then I responded like, hey, who's this Tara Roberts girl? So I responded, said, do I know you? And uh, it just kind of took off from there. We turned, turned into just instant messaging every now and then, sending long emails, betting on uh I probably shouldn't say this, but I'm a New York Yankees fan, and so betting on New York Yankees games versus the Texas Rangers, we haven't even met yet. Uh, we sent a couple pictures of each other maybe, I don't know, a year into it, and uh, so our bets consisted of uh, if the Yankees won the series, she would have to wear a Derek Jeter shirt to a family gathering, or I would have to wear a Josh Hamilton shirt to a family gathering, so uh, yeah, long story short, we started talking. She came out for, I think, my senior prom. And then we got married uh, a few years after that. Wow. Okay. Well, this episode's over since you're a Yankees fan. Thanks so much. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for coming by. Uh, I figured I shouldn't mention it, but I guess you said honesty is the way to go. <laughs> all right. Well, that is cool. So there's a random email CC is how it all began, huh? Random. Wow. Well, life yeah. is random, though, isn't it? It is. And five kids later, all of a sudden. Five kids later. Wow. Yeah. Are any of those twins? No. No. Not wow. Them. That's a lot of work. Yeah. All right. Cool deal. So, um, so um, where, where exactly did you grow up? What? So I was born in Cincinnati, Ohio. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't remember anything. I think we moved when I was a few years old. 
Uh, my dad, the company that my dad worked for, uh, the owner was a close friend of his, uh, just suddenly died. I think, I can't remember if it was a heart attack. If he's listening to this, you'll kill me for not remembering. But, uh, yeah, he passed away. So then my dad moved, moved us to, I think directly to Fremont, because uh, we had a cousin who uh, was the principal of the school that is still uh, going today, um, offered him a teaching job. And so uh, my dad's been teaching at this small school that I went to uh, since then. So yeah, we went from Ohio to Fremont to San Jose and just kind of bounced around. I uh, spent a little bit of time in Texas with my wife uh, and that, that's pretty much it. So uh, what year did you move to, how old were you so, rather when you moved to, to San Jose or I Fremont? Believe- so when we moved to Fremont, probably two or so, uh-huh. and then was there, I would say, till 11. I judge it all based on Little League Baseball. Right. So uh, I think I was there till 11 because I missed out on a very good uh, 11 and 12-year-old all-star team in Fremont that I would have been a part of. So I was, you know, a little angry towards my parents in the beginning, but you get over it when you get older and get wiser. Uh, so yeah, I would say 11 to in Fremont, then San Jose, pretty much since. So you were really into Little League as a kid, huh? Yeah. Yeah. It was, really? Uh, I loved Little League. As I got older, I realized baseball wasn't wasn't my favorite. I still played, but uh, another funny story. In high school, I'd, I wasn't going to play baseball senior year, and uh, the coach is our cousin, and he went to my dad and said, hey, why isn't Kevin playing? And my dad, he's not going to force us to do anything. And he said, well, he doesn't want to. And I was just going to start working, you know, making money. And so they came to me, and I was like, well, Dad, what if we make a deal? You know, what if I, you know play baseball can I get a cell phone in return <laughs> and so <laughs> I got a cell phone senior year and uh and so I played and it was great I'm happy I did <laughs> right because you know uh just yesterday uh we lost uh my kids little league team he's in triple a and uh we were in the playoffs and uh the uh, dreaded Aptos Giants beat the oh. uh Aptos Astros and uh he was crushed, you know. But, I mean, it was a tremendous season overall just to watch all the kids grow as uh, players, right, and as a team, right? I mean, like, it was a tremendous experience just to get there. Um, it's really almost a privilege, really, just to sit there and watch them play. So uh, that's cool. So you were a big in the Little League growing up, Yeah, Little huh? League and then uh, basketball as, as well. They call it CYO, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. So basketball was more my thing. I, I played as much as I could. Uh, but, yeah, baseball, basketball, pretty much nonstop. Wow, and how about video games? Were you uh, playing a lot of video um, games? Not a lot. My brothers, I come from a huge family, but my two closest brothers uh, were really into video games along with uh, our good good friends of ours. But you were uh, not. I, I I mean, I watched, I rarely played. I, if I really? did play, I would play like Madden or NBA, whatever the basketball game was at the time, or baseball. Right. I was never really into the zombie killing and stuff like wow. that. Wow, well that is pretty unusual, really, <laughs> actually, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's just like... Almost every kid loves killing zombies. <laughs> right? But, uh, you tell your son, this is why, because I coach baseball now, I, I tell them whenever they get down on themselves, I say, hey, I've got a story for you if, if you ever need to pick me up. And so you tell your son, come to me if he needs a confidence booster, because in high school I I was uh, I was probably a number two pitcher, not not, not saying very much, uh, but uh, the number one pitcher, he had pitched the night before, and so I had to go the next night against a pretty good team. I think it was Head Royce out of Oakland. And I gave up three home runs in the first inning and didn't record a single out. So I'm there to give kids uh, confidence and let them know it can always be worse. It can always be worse, right on. So did you end up going to college or no? I, 
Did not. So I got asked to play, uh, not a scholarship, but a junior college Kenyatta off 280 mm-hmm. in Palo Alto, I think. Uh, got asked to play there, but I just said, well, I'm six foot. What am I, you know, how far am I really going to go? Um, I didn't have anything that I wanted to go to college for at the time. I was actually doing uh, the real estate courses at home um, senior year. And so I was really all into that. And uh, so I said no to college at the time. I went and took the real estate exam. I missed it by four points, probably because I wasn't studying enough in high school. Uh, And then my brother-in-law was working for Paul Davis Restoration Remodeling. And they had about five guys quit up and quit one day. And so he called me and they were just looking for bodies. And he said, hey, uh, you want to work? And so I went and they uh, offered me $14 an hour. And I was like, whoa, that's a ton of money. You know, and so uh, as an 18 year old, I, I jumped on it and uh, really haven't gotten out of the industry since. Right. So at 18, you started with Paul Davis Remodeling. Restoration. Restoration. Remodeling. Restoration. Two, remodeling. Yeah, two, uh, two sides. So what what is that business? Is that like a fire repair kind of thing? Or yeah, what, so what do they, they do? Specialize in fire, water, and mold uh-huh. damage repair. Fire, water, mold damage, and repair. Yeah. So you basically just, just jumped into it. Yeah, I started out as... Just the grunt grunt worker. I grunt mean, I worker. Sweeping the floors of the shop, organizing the, the storage bins. You know, it was a, a good day when I got to go out on the field. Uh, I would say the first three months was, was a little rough because I wasn't, they didn't have me out. You know, I was still doing some training. And so, right. uh, finally got to go out on job sites and really get to understand what it was all about. But yeah, started out as just a skinny little 18 year old. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, um, now, uh, that's how old are you now? You're what? Twenty seven. Twenty seven. So this is nine years ago. So how did you go from that at eighteen to today? Um, you know, being in the mold inspection business. Yeah. I mean, like, so uh, I worked for Paul Davis for about a year, and then spent a little bit of time in Texas with uh, my wife now, uh, and then oh, came, where in Texas did you guys go? Uh, a small town called Decatur near Decatur. Fort Worth. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and so then when I came back, because my brother-in-law, who had um, told me to come over to Paul Davis, he started his own. So Advanced Restoration and Remodeling. Some people may have heard of him, because sometimes I work for them work. Uh, and so I worked for him. St- same thing. At least I was already kind of past the labor, became a lead tech, worked in the field for a couple more years. Uh, just It was myself and, and him and a couple other guys. Um, and so we were really responded to everything. So late night calls, middle of the night, you know, water damage, you know, floods coming from a toilet supply on the third floor, you know, where they're extracting water, removing base, carpet pad, and getting the drying equipment set up to prevent mold growth. Uh, and so I was there for pretty much up until a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this, that's when I took over ARE because I had met Holland Woolley through um, advanced restoration he was one of the guys that he, um, that they were called to have come in and do like a mold clearance test for us or or vice versa Holland would do an inspection for you guys and he would say hey if you need mold remediation you could call advanced so um, he didn't cut corners you know some people can go out and take a swab of what uh, you know on a clearance you got to take a swab and an air sample in that chamber so they're going to go and swab the cleanest area versus Holland's going to go and he's going to try and find something that you missed or you skipped you know hard to get area and he's going to swab that. So you always you knew you had to be on your toes with him. Two years ago or so is when the process started with Holman. He just, as a courtesy, he just said, hey, you know, I'm selling my business. We're going to be competitors. And I said, that's fine. You know, you're a great guy. If we're too busy, I'll refer you work. Or you're too busy, refer me work. And 
Um, I left that meeting, it was at uh, Eric's Deli on SoCal, and I had to go to Daly City. So I'm driving to Daly City, do my inspection out there for advanced restoration, and I leave, and stuck in traffic on 280, and I'm like, you know, what am I doing? I mean, I like it, but, you know, I've, there's some headaches, you know, dealing with, you know, 30 guys at, that's, you know, at, at times. And so I said, I'm already doing, you know, somewhat of what Holland, uh, his company's doing. Uh, you know, I could just get a few more certifications, take some more classes and maybe start to do it on my own. So it worked out because my brother was going through a process of buying the company, paving company that he had worked for. And so I was able to call him because this was all new to me. I just a year before I told my wife, like, I could never see myself owning the company. I just don't think I can. I don't know if I have the brains for it. You know, all that that goes into it. Uh, so I was able to call my brother and just ask him, Hey, how do you get finance for it? You know, financing for this. What do you do? I didn't, I'd never heard of an SBA loan, things like that. Um, and so that, that's it. We talked, I talked to my brother and, uh, he helped me get pointed in the right direction. Uh, my brother-in-law is also a, a, a mortgage lender. Um, so he helped me as well. And so, uh, yeah, that, that just took off from there. The bank actually accepted it and, <laughs> So you bought you bought ARE, which is Applied Real Estate Inspections, from Holland Woolley, and you uh, used an SBA loan, yes. right? And so in order to get an SBA loan, what did you use as collateral for well, that SBA loan? That's what I was going to get to, and that's why I'm stuck uh, for, just depends. I'm, I'm hoping, I've got a goal, just like everybody, a five-year goal to pay off my SBA loan. Um, and once I do that, it'll be a little bit easier um, to move because my house is the collateral. So that's very interesting, you know, because um, Gary Vaynerchuk, you know Gary Vaynerchuk? Have you ever heard of that guy? No. He is, uh, he started the Wine Library TV on YouTube like years ago. Fast forward, he invested in Uber and like, I don't know, uh, Airbnb and now he's like a gajillionaire. And recently, a few months ago, he gets up and he says like, entrepreneurs should not buy homes because it's just a, it's just dead capital, right? But there's no way you would have bought ARE without having a home first. It just wouldn't have happened. Exactly. Right? And I know, and I, I couldn't have, I just, there was, I had no other. It wouldn't have been possible. You know, they so don't, they Gary Vaynerchuk, <laughs> check yourself. <laughs> they don't allow kids as collateral. I don't know why. <laughs> but, uh, but, but yeah, so that, you know, I know some people say, Hey, you know, you don't want to put your house up. But I said, well, what other choice do I have? I've you know? got to make a little bit of a, you know, take a little bit of a risk, right. you know, to see if it's right. going to work. Right, exactly. So, so far, so good. All right. That is awesome. I love hearing that kind of stuff. All right. So, um, <clears throat> mold. All right. Yeah, we got there. <laughs> How does mold get started? What, what, what elements need to exist for mold to, like, thrive and take over your house? Well, uh, there's a study that says... The, the ideal temperatures for mold to grow are 77 to 86 degrees. Um, and the newer study, as far as relative humidity is, mold can grow uh, anywhere above 50% relative humidity. Uh, back when I was going through all the classes, you know, seven, eight, nine years ago, it was 60%. Not sure why they made the change, but they did down to 50. Um, and so that, that, that right there, you know, moisture source, uh, organic matter, so just as an example, drywall, the paper on drywall, uh, and then uh, temperature. The air. temperature has to yeah. be between that range, 77 to 87. Well, that's just an ideal temperature. It doesn't have to be. Uh-huh. Right. Well, that's where it really thrives. Yeah, in that exactly. Zone. And then the other thing, it doesn't need sunlight. And that's why you'll see right. if you ever pull your, uh, you know, in an older home, if you pull your, your dressers or nightstands away from a wall um, that aren't walls that aren't insulated, then, you know, you might pull it away and see a nice black uh, square right behind it right so, now so that that is basically it's condensation is exactly, that what that is exactly yeah if there's not an immediate water leak and 
then it's going to be condensation. That's pretty much a dead giveaway when it shows up in that little square that it's just the difference in temperature and humidity from outside to inside. So that right there is very, very common. So mm -hmm. does that mean you have to tear your house down when that happens? Or <laughs> No, no. I mean, I've yet to come across a house where we're, we've had to tear it all down. There's typically a fix. Uh, and, and so it would be... The recommendation would be to obviously test it to find out the types and concentrations of mold present in that room and then the type of mold that is on the surface because then I can um, help better uh, you know, guide the remediation company or maybe it doesn't need a reme remediation company. Maybe it's a, a level one where a handyman can do it. Um, it just tells me, you know, what type of PP&E, what type of container. What is PP&E? Uh, sorry, personal protective equipment. Uh -huh. uh, so, you know, the uh, full face respirator, um, you know, the whole bunny suit, whatever you want to call it. Uh, just the right protection. Uh, so know. if you do see some mold, like, you know, because you see that like in closets a lot, right? I mean, like, and, you know, you, the closet is somewhere where, you know, like, there, you know, there's no water behind the closet or whatever. I mean, like, is this something that you could just take like a Clorox wipe and just wipe it off? Or is that not effective or like? No. So first, uh, I'm, I'm happy you mentioned Clorox. So bleach is actually the wrong product. I would stay away from it. It's not the right pH. So it doesn't remove the mold spore. Um, it just takes color out of it, so it makes it a little bit harder. So people say, oh, I wiped it with bleach six months ago and it came back. Well, it's still there. You didn't remove it. You just took the color out. Um, and if it is drywall, you're going to want to remove that drywall. Because really? Because drywall's porous. You're, typically, you're not going to be able to, to clean it. And really? It, Even just with a little mold in your closet from the... It, it really depends, uh, you know, how severe. But the other thing is, you know, I can't guarantee that it's not on the paper. Right. In, on the backside. Sorry, I can't tell you, okay... Did it come from, you know, did it start on the brown paper on the back and work its way in? Did it come from inside the bedroom and work its way in? It just, it's hard to say. So the recommendation is to remove. Um, if it's a solid surface and we say go ahead and give it a, a good wipe and half the back, um, then you can use soap and water, mild detergent and water because it's the right pH to remove the mold spore or peroxide, vinegar, um, things like that. But stay away. Stay away from bleach. So what's the solution then? I mean, like, you're just not supposed to have your dresser too close to your wall? Yeah, or like... We, we uh, <laughs> I would say two to three inches. Three might be a bit... Really? There's actually an industry standard for that, huh? I don't know if it's an industry <laughs> standard, but that's a practice that we go by just to help increase the airflow. You want air to be able to travel between the wall, uh, you know, and that... that interesting, interesting. Hand. All right. Well, I'm <clears throat> learning something here today. So, you know, mold is everywhere, they tell me. Like, I, I have you come out, and you do, like, a mold test. You test outside, too, and then you test inside, right? So, so <clears throat> mold is everywhere. So, you know, like, we're always breathing mold all the time, even if you're in the purest, most cleanest, you know, like, um, whatever, uh, alpine environment, you know, in the fjords of Norway, there's mold, right? <laughs> yep. So... Uh, Given that it is everywhere, why are people so freaked out about it? Well, it's it's hard because the human body, everybody's going to re react or respond differently. So what might affect you, you know, maybe may not affect me. I mean, we've done projects where uh, her, the lady has a son who's very, very, you know, sensitive. And so what it was a clearance test. And so what was deemed acceptable because it was well below the outside and it was just overall just a really low number. They took that to their doctor and the doctor said, no, that's not. That's not acceptable for your particular son. That's an extreme case, but that's just an example. You know, people can freak out because they'll read black mold, and and I don't necessarily refer to mold as black mold because you can get Cladosporium around a window, which is an allergenic mold, and it comes from the condensation or the humidity. Uh, you know, it's black in color, but you know, it's not the the black mold that people are referring to. So people will look it up and they'll 
they'll type that in, they're, and they're typically they're referring to stachybotrys or catomium, which are key indicators of water damage, and they are toxigenic, and they can release myco mycotoxins that can get into your system. Uh, and then if your body can't, you know, flush them out naturally, then that's when you need to see a doctor, and the doctor would help have to help uh, get you in the right direction. And I kind of stop right there because I'm not a doctor. Uh, but but yeah, that's I think that's why people freak themselves out is. It can. I'm not saying that mold is, you know, you don't freak out, but you just have to find that fine line. You know, if you see something, you want to get it taken care of and, you know, don't take it lightly, but also, you know, you don't necessarily need to panic. Panic's never good. <clears throat> right, because some people, I guess, are just going to react, you know, much more severely to certain types of molds and mm -hmm. it might come off as an allergic reaction or like an allergy or cold or something like that. And really what you're doing is your, your body is... Is choking up, I guess, because of the it's not able to process that mold, that particular mold, right? And every and every body is different, exactly. is what you're saying. Exactly. <clears throat> so, so there's no there's no like federal standard, like you say, black mold, black mold. Mm -hmm. Oh my God! So like black mold isn't even like there's there is nothing as black mold, exactly. right? There's I mean, there's millions of kinds of molds, and some of them might be colored black. Some of the worst mold that I've come across is pink. I mean, he just. You know, so pink mold, huh? Yeah, what kind of mold is pink? I can't remember what it was. I was a tech at the time. I was mm -hmm. removing the mold itself um, out of a carpet, um, so I don't, I can't remember what it was. But I was, I've been trying to track it down. It's just hard. Cause <laughs> right. I, okay. But, so, so, so when people say, "Oh, well, does the mold black?" That basically is like a non-data point. If, if correct. Yeah, it doesn't mean a whole lot to me. <laughs> um, if they said, "Hey, I've got black underneath the bathroom sink or kitchen sink," then. I would say, you know what, let me check. And if it's wet, then I, obviously I can't say what type of mold it is. And I don't know until the lab tells me, but every now and then I'll say, Hey, if I were a gambling man, <laughs> you know, it could be stachybotrys because it's got, you know, the right ingredients, the right elements for it to, you know, be a, a toxigenic mold. Right. Okay. Um, so, uh, there are no standards at all really though, at period, like at state, federal, local level, there is no standard for mold toxicity. Correct. There's no threshold limit value for mold. It's not like asbestos and lead where we've got hard numbers to go by, um, which makes it tough. It makes it tough to govern and, uh, and, you know, and makes it, uh, tough to try and, uh, educate people as well because the documents aren't out there for people to just go on and go to a state website and just read all right this 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 and this uh, it's not spelt out like that right <clears throat> okay so um are there like areas around santa cruz or santa clara or monterey or san francisco or alameda or wherever you work that are particularly good or bad for like mold uh i listened to was it Bob Owen? I can't remember. You're, Bob Owen. You're a termite guy. Yeah, right. Uh, and I'll piggyback off of what he said. It's very similar. So, uh, you know, if it's a more humid area, you know, I know Boulder Creek is can be pretty humid. I mean, we can be humid here, but uh, it's just all about humidity. It, relative humidity is, is really what, what drives it. Um, and then for Aptos, being closer to the water, obviously, because that's going to produce more humidity, uh, being around trees. Because there's mold that that grows from plant decay and tree rot and things like that, uh, so yeah, I would suspect in Arizona. I've never tested out there, but being in the desert would be uh, maybe a little bit better than than here. But once again, I've never never tested out there. Uh, so yeah, it really just the further you get into the woods, further you get into the mountains, I would say you're susceptible to having more. Uh, more, you know, higher concentrations of mold. So I've always assumed that the uh, mountain thing was because there's less sunlight, right? That's part of it. Uh huh. Yeah. So, that... but, but, so 
mold can grow in sunlight, though. Is that correct? It, yeah, it, it, it can. Could. It can yeah, grow absolutely. in sunlight. It doesn't, so it doesn't need dark. It's not like light destroys mold. Correct. It's just that if it's light, it's hotter or, or something. It dries it out. Or, yeah, it keeps everything dry. It should help the humidity level go down a little bit. Uh-huh. Uh, and once again, it goes back to the humidity level being above 50% for mold so to grow. What do you think the humidity level is today, right now? Today is uh, June, uh, what is it, May 30th, right? So what's right. the... Uh, Humidity level, do you think? It's pretty foggy, I would guess, between 50 and 60, maybe uh-huh. about 60. Right. So basically, it sounds like pretty much anywhere in Santa Cruz County is like a mold farm, right? Because there's trees, and then there's the coast, and there is no hot, dry area in between. Correct. But, <laughs> but a few months ago, when we were having, you know, weird hot, hot spells, I would have days where the relative humidity was 24% out here. Right. So those are the nice, warm, sunny days. Uh, and it's nothing to freak out about. I mean, as long as you're ventilating your home, you have dehumidifiers, you know, in, in the rooms to help, you know, the portable dehumidifiers is to help reduce that um, interior relative humidity. And once again, just crack windows and get the airflow going, you should be okay. Uh, so that's interesting. So uh, do you recommend drafty houses that people shouldn't have these dual pane windows and they should just go back to the log cabin thing with like chinks of... No, no, the dual pane windows are nice because you see the old metal frame windows they're not very well insulated. So you'll see, that's when you do see the black dots and, you know, actually visible water building up around the metal frame. Um, so the dual paint is nice just because it's well more, you know, it's a lot more insulated. Um, I would say, like I said, just try and keep the relative humidity down by cracky windows, you know, not, not using your house as a vacation home because when the vacation homes sit and they're not rented out for months at a time, that's when you have issues, especially, you know, you can have, I shouldn't say the street, but if they're not rented out year round and not having that constant opening and closing of windows, people coming in and out, uh, then you can have it. So, so basically the, <clears throat> the moisture just builds up in the home from the air exactly. is what you're saying. So a lot of times, you know, I used to sell these foreclosures and the banks would want the heater to be left on, right? <clears throat> so is that like a good, like if you're going to be out of town for a week, should you just leave your heater on to keep your house warm? I would keep it at the no, whatever level you normally keep it at, I wouldn't. But you wouldn't turn it off, though. Correct. I would. You would still want the climate to be controlled inside the house. Right. Okay. And so you mentioned dehumidifiers, right? So it's like, I always see dehumidifiers when I go in. I'm going like, uh oh, what are they trying to hide here? But, but are, are you saying that really is kind of just like a good hygienic thing for your house in in humid areas? I could, yeah. I mean, I could go into almost any home in Santa Cruz County and say, you know, it'd be good to have a dehumidifier and you know, potentially an air purifier as well. Uh, really? Just be a pretty generic, you know, recommendation without doing a whole lot of uh so, so do they have, like, climate control systems that have dehumidifiers built into them? You can. I have a, a friend who owns an HVAC company, and I asked him about it. I don't, I'm not very familiar and uh, up to par on it, but you said it can be done. I don't think it's very cheap, but you sure can, you can get a whole house system that's hooked up on a dehumidistat. So basically, you said and that. air purifier also. So air, I would assume you can you can just I mean the air, air purifier you can get the portable machine so you can I'm sure you can integrate a HEPA filter into your you know into your uh, HVAC system. So do they have like uh, like smaller ones that are not built into your HVAC system that? Because, like, dehumidifiers, they fill up, right? Like, the basin fills up, right? And then you have to be there to, like, do that. Do they have ones that sort of can plumb into a drain line or...? So I I haven't seen any, uh, like, home-use dehumidifiers, but I'll, then again, I'll just be honest, I, I haven't... You haven't looked. I haven't looked right. a whole lot. That's not your, that's not uh, your bag. <laughs> but they do have commercial dehumidifiers, like the dehumidifiers we used when we were doing the dryouts. 
yeah, you plugged them in, and then you would have the hose going from the dehumidifier into a shower drain, where we wrap around oh, the really? faucet. And oh, really? Oh, interesting. Drain that's, a, that's a commercial dehumidifier. Correct. Right? Yeah. So they have them, I, and I can't. I, you would think in today's, you know, today's world that we would have, you know, home dehumidifiers that that could do that. If not, maybe I should get on it. Do they have combo <laughs> dehumidifier slash air purifier? It seems like that would be like a. Uh, and a good idea, right? I mean, like, they're both sucking in air. I haven't right? seen one that's, that really, uh, is something that I would recommend. Because uh-huh. uh, the air purifiers that I recommend, they're not, like, they go to Costco and spend $200. They're anywhere from 500 to 1000 for an air purifier that we would really recommend. Right, okay. So are there any particular kinds of houses that tend to have mold issues? I mean, like, um, like... Is it houses that are built of drywall and wood, or is it houses that are made out of brick, or like, is it, I mean, is there any older houses or newer houses, or is there anything like that would like lead you to think like this kind of house is more prone to having a mold problem, or this kind of house is prone not to have a mold problem? I would say the older homes, and it kind of goes back to what I mentioned about homes without insulation. So the older homes, I'm not a a builder or contractor, but I would say pre 70s or so. Uh, when they weren't, that insulation wasn't, you know, used every day like it is now, uh, that I would, I would say those homes definitely. So you want to see, you want to see insulation in batting in the walls. Now, so that, does that mean that people should go and get blown in insulation? Like you can go have these companies, they drill holes in your walls and they blow in. Ins- is that a good thing to do? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as far as, you know, the method, you know, to get that insulation in there. Once again, I'm not a contractor, so I don't know the best, you know, cost effective method. But yeah, insulating the walls is is a huge thing. Uh, as long as well as insulating the crawl space, insulating the attic, uh, the crawl space because the house is going to breathe from the ground up. And being you know Santa Cruz, it does get humid, it does get moist. So crawl spaces tend to be tend to be moist. The soil will get wet, and if the soil is wet for an extended period of time, there's another moisture source, and it's going to release humidity into the house. Not only that, it's going to be trapped somewhat in that crawl space, so then you can have mold start to grow. Well, I'm glad you mentioned crawl spaces, as a matter of fact. So, um, what about vapor barriers? I mean, like, is that, like, a thing? I mean, like, you know, Bob Owens, my termite guy, he hates vapor barriers. He just thinks there's recipe for disaster. What's your take on vapor barriers? And should should the vapor barrier be on the ground, or should it be up against the subfloor? Because insulation has the vapor barrier built into it, right? The backing of that of that batting is a vapor barrier, right? They should, I mean, but they don't always use the paper backing. Um, as far as vapor barriers, it a good vapor barrier, you know, done right, you know, is is effective and it's it's good. But Bob's in his experience, and I've experienced it as well, going underneath houses, a vapor barrier that's just done, you know, halfway, is terrible. I mean, it just makes makes it even worse so basically you should uh, there's a good a company out there called clean crawl space if anybody's interested look them up they do a good job and they've got a nice seven minute youtube video uh, but basically what you do is you're going to want the, everything to drain towards a sump pump so you're going to if you have to you're going to have to do a little bit of digging down there and trench everything that way all the water's flowing towards a sump pump get some gravel so they'll use gravel uh you know like for gardens and they'll use like garden liner to um, try and you know line the the drainage that way it's not getting built up with dirt and things like that uh, and then after that you'll go in with maybe a 20 mil uh, plastic or material maybe not a plastic um, like I said clean crawl space but no but uh, they use a good material and I can't remember the name of it but uh, basically it's 20 mil so it's really thick uh, and then you're going to lay that out 
over the entire crawl space. You're going to seal it to the foundation. You're going to seal it to the footings. Uh, and it's got to be a hundred percent, uh, you know, sealed. And then sometimes I'll put a dehumidifier down there to try and help control the humidity. Uh, so yeah, I mean, as long as you use the right product, you know, so people can actually crawl on it and not puncture it. Uh, I would say a vapor barrier is a good thing. So how about insulating the, uh, the subfloor? I mean, like, is there like a, like a, like a blown in insulation that you can like, like spray against mm -hmm. the bottom of your subfloor? Is that, I've never seen it, but now that you're putting me on the spot, I, you know, You've never seen that. So basically, so when you talk I mean, about subfloor insulation, you're talking about the batting, right? Yeah, I mean, I've seen the bat, but I've never seen a spray on or uh -huh. or even like a foam or anything like that um, in a subfloor or in a, in a crawl space. It's always just the bat right. that I've come across. Okay. All right. Interesting. Interesting. So how about like, um, uh, you're talking about the dehumidifiers in your crawl space. What about like uh, a fan, right? You hear that all the time from home inspectors. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, you should install a fan underneath your house. Is that... Effective. Yeah. I'm recommended to install humidistat controlled fans in a crawl space because oh, so that means that when it gets too humid, it turns on. Mm -hmm. And you can set it. The ones that I recommend, you just like anything, you can get them on Amazon for about 130 a pop, and they're dual blow. And you can set it to 50% relative humidity, meaning it'll kick on once it hits that you know 50% mark. Uh, so yeah, depending, you know, I don't go into every house and say, hey, you need to do a vapor barrier because it's just you know isn't always necessary, and it's, and they're expensive. So I don't want people to think I'm just coming in and trying to you know, cover my backside by recommending every, you know, tool possible to, to protect themselves. You know, I try and go in with an honest mind and, and, and like I tell people, I'm, I put myself in their shoes, you know, do I think it's necessary? You know, uh, sometimes I'll say, start with, you know, two humidistat fans, give it a few months, give it a rainy season, you know, check on it, see what, what it's looking like. You know, did it work? If it didn't, then you might have to move to the next steps because the humidistat controlled fans are a lot cheaper than going with a full blown vapor barrier. Right. <clears throat> okay. So um, you mentioned earlier that uh, you have never seen a house where you had to like tear it down because it was so mold ridden, right? Um, but uh, you know, like you also hear in my business, oh, like that's a moldy house, right? Like mold's like an ongoing chronic problem, and that they haven't been able to get rid of it. Is there? Is there? Are, are there some houses where that's true? Where you just where there's just like. I mean, like, uh, you know, like maybe cabin in the woods, right? Like, there's no matter what you're going to do, or is, I mean, is there like a protocol for every home to, that will actually make it mold free? Not free, because there's mold everywhere, but, you know, acceptable. Yeah, like I said, it, it just, it goes back to, I have never seen or come across a house personally where it couldn't be remediated. And so basically, once, if there's in a house like that, I would obviously do the inspection, see if I can find any building material that is contaminated. If it was, depending on if it was like a wood wood uh, cabin, um, you know, without any wall coverings, like drywall, things like that, um, then I would say sand, you know, that finish, Epivac, wire brush, basically you're just trying to remove the mold, the mold growth. Um, and then you're gonna want a damp wipe and just make sure all the dust is gone, run the HEPA air scrubbers to filter down any airborne mold while you're disturbing, you know, the mold contamination on the wall. Uh, and and if that's the actual source, you know, then, or sorry, if that's the only area, then you move on to what is the source? You know, was it just humidity related? Was there a roof leak? So you'd want to correct the source. If it's a roof leak, obviously you want to make sure the roof's not leaking anymore. If it's humidity, then we'd move into saying, all right, you need to get some dehumidifiers or some sort of dehumidification system to get that relative humidity down at all times. Because um, once you correct this, identify and correct the source, then yeah, you can, uh, you know, and you practice, you know, the, the, the habits of opening windows and 
keeping things off the wall, things like that, then yeah, I would. I don't see why you couldn't make it, you know, mold free. Yeah. You know, right. Okay. Not, obviously, there will be mold, but you know, as far as a you know elevated mold. Right. So I think that's pretty interesting because I think a lot of these uh, mold houses, I think it probably does come down to humidity, right? I mean, like mm -hmm. humidity. I mean, like that's that's just what it is. You know, the house is humid and that. <clears throat> nobody's running a dehumidifier. Yeah. You know? Or, because I mean, you see that a lot, like, you know, like vacant houses in the woods, you go in there, they smell yeah. musty. Yeah. Right? And, yeah. And, and so that's not a good, is that good? I mean, is that bad? What does that mean? <laughs> if you go in a house that smells musty, does that mean you're doomed? What does that actually mean? I wouldn't say it's just, for me, obviously it's a red, it's a, a, red, it's a red flag. flag. And that's what we refer to things as. So it's going to make me, you know, search that much harder. If I don't find anything, I'm going to, you know, try even harder to see if I can find something wet or, you know, because I want to be confident that it's just due to it sitting, you know, vacant or stagnant for a while and versus, you know, maybe there's a wet spot on the ceiling due to a roof leak. It just makes me work a little bit harder to make sure I'm not missing anything because when I look at you and say, all right, I think it's just because it's that stagnant for three months, uh, I want to be confident with that. You know, I'll make sure I'm not missing anything because musty typically isn't a good thing. Right, um, right. I mean, like, to me, that musty means, like, there's probably mold spores and it could be in the carpet. Mm -hmm. It could be, right? So Depending like, on, you know, if it's furnished, yeah, absolutely. You know, could be the furnishings. Those old cabins, they've got nice old rugs or old carpet or old, uh, uh, I can't think of the material, but just any soft, porous, you know, couches, love seats, things like that. Um, they will absolutely harbor the, the that musty smell. So can you get, you know, you've heard of like flea bombs, right? Do they have like mold bombs where you can just like <laughs> set up a canister and then like set it off and then like install like a air scrubber and anything like that? No, there's nothing like that. Yeah, I mean, with mold, you want to physically remove it. Physically remove it. So that's all there is to it. Whether it's, like I said, if it's on a building material that's porous, you want to remove it. If it's in the air, the air scrubber will remove it. Um... It just depends. The air samples help tell us, you know, what level of remediation is needed because if it's, say, it's 30,000 spores per cubic meter of uh, penicillium aspergillus inside this room and it's only 1,500 outside, then I might say, you know what, you're going to want to have the vacuum damp wipe, not you, but a professional, have the vacuum damp wipe all the horizontal surfaces, you know, windowsills, tops of the door frames, things like that. Uh, depending on what type of furniture, I might say wipe down the solid surface items like desks or tables. Um, if it's a couch, HEPA back the couch. Uh, it just, it, it can get extreme, um, but we can typically come up with a fix. So um, if it's not, you know, if, it, if there's no visible mold on, on contents, sometimes what I'll say is perform all that remediation, um, clean the contents the best you can, and then have them, you know, leave them in that room, then I can come back and do a clearance test and see where we're at. If we're still elevated, then it might get a little more extreme and say it might be time to to uh, dispose of some of those porous items. Um, so if anybody is curious, there's a house, uh, there's a famous case too. I can't remember the insurance company, but this is partly why mold isn't covered anymore. Or if you do have mold coverage, uh, which very it's very rare, not many many people do, the coverage is typically max out at $10,000. Uh, Melinda Ballard, uh, I believe it was in Texas in 1999, um, that's a fun one to go and look up. That is a house that had to be torn down, if I'm not mistaken, I believe was torn down uh, completely. And that was due to many, many leaks uh, for a very long period of time. I can't remember what the husband did, but he was very smart. It was a beautiful house. Uh, but he ended up, I can't, once again, I'm not going to say what he had, but the, the video will say it, but he ended up getting very sick, and I'm pretty sure he had to stop working. 
Wow. Um, and so, yeah, it's she sued whatever insurance company it was for millions. And uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a good, I think there's some YouTube videos on it, but Melinda Ballard, B-A-L-L-A-R-D. All right, well, that's, that's good to know. So, um, you know, what, what, speaking of that musty thing, right? I mean, like uh, one word people use is the word mildew, mm-hmm. right? Like, ah, oh, it's just mildew. What is mildew? It's mold and mildew are still, they're both a type of fungus. Uh-huh. Uh, the only difference really is just their, their color and style. So mildew is kind of in the name. It's a little more dewy, but that's... In, in so mildew is a mold. It, it's like I said, it's a type of fungus. They so all, mold is a fungus. Yes, mold exactly. is All mold is a fungus, yeah. is what you're saying yep. here. Mold, mushrooms, yeast. There's spores. They're like fungus has spores. And so, yeah, mold will, you know, obviously they're going to, they'll produce spores. And then once those spores are released into the air, it's called germination. And then the, the cycle just starts, once germination happens and they, you know, release their spores and the cycle starts over again and more mold can grow from there. Uh, if there's a moisture source. Mold can go dormant for, you know, up to two years. And what that means, we call it dormant, not dead. Because some people say, oh, the mold is dead. We killed it. The correct term is dormant, and it doesn't matter whether it's dormant or or active or alive. Um, If you come in contact with an allergenic type of mold, then you can potentially have a reaction. Even if it's dead. Even if if it's it's dormant, dead, whatever you want to call it. Um, So that's why we say you want to remove the mold and not just say, oh, yeah, we... We caused it to go dormant. Um, you you want it physically gone? Well, can you kill mold? Can you physically kill it or no? It's like a zombie you, zombie mold. <laughs> you can do <laughs> you can do a test for it to find out if it's you know dormant or or you know or not. I've never done one because for me it's it's hey it's it's there. Let's get rid of it. Right, right, okay. Uh, that's pretty interesting. Um, so uh, let's see here. Um, now, how about basements? Right. So like you know like. I got a listing right now, and it has a basement, and um, periodically water gets into the basement, right? But you know what? It doesn't really smell like mold down there, right? So what can you tell us about, like, musty-smelling basements? It seems like almost every basement does smell musty. Does that mean that every basement has a mold problem? I wouldn't say so. Um, I think, obviously, the, the air is going to be different down there, So it, and then the building material typically is different down there. Um, it doesn't breathe the same, you know, as a house if there's no windows. There's, there's a lot of variables that go into it. So just because it's musty down there, I wouldn't say it's necessarily, you know, got elevated mold. Um, it very well could. And if you're going to be using it as a living space, then I would recommend to do an air sample. Uh, but typically we don't do air samples in non-living spaces. So um, as long as there's not a lot of transferred air from the basement into the house, um, I would say it's... Transfer of air from the basement into the house, huh? Yeah, because if it is musty, it's just like a crawl space. You don't want the crawl space air getting into a house. We don't do air samples down there. Oh, you don't do air samples in a crawl space? No. No, just swab or surface samples. Or just swab or surface samples. Okay. All right. So what's the worst mold case that you personally have ever seen? Give us a story about, like, uh, you're like, oh, my God, you're hosed. (laughs) There's one now. It may not be the worst, but it's fresh in my brain. Uh, There's a really nice house. Uh, in the Los Altos area, beautiful uh, custom home build. Um, the guy built it himself because he owns, you know, custom home building company. Um, it is down in his, what he told me, his million dollar theater. Um, and it started out as just some mushrooms. Not shouldn't suggest, but mushrooms growing on on his carpet. Uh, and it was hard to tell what the building material was because it's a theater, so it's you know it's dark. Obviously, I'm using a flashlight, but still, overall, it's dark, and you can can't necessarily tell because there's some you know some raised platforms so you don't know did they build it up with concrete and he thinks they did and 
And so you go back and forth. And so, cause if it, if it was all concrete, it would have been a lot easier, but, uh, they got into it. They removed the carpet. There is concrete slab, but those areas that are stepped up, you know, for the seat, the seating, um, they were raised up by wood. So the water, um, basically came from the ground because he's, um, uh, forgive me the term, um, he had an aquifer that they cut off when they built the house. And so they had, he said they spent, you know, tons on drainage and he had a sump pump with an alarm um, that failed. So, uh, basically what happened is the water, you know, pulled up in the theater and nobody had gone down there for some time and, and it made its way underneath the raised platform, you know, built up by wood. And so they just had to chase it, start removing the wood. Um, it went up the wall where he had, uh, custom made, uh, wood, uh, columns from LA, custom wood, uh, paneling from LA and all of it's coming down. And, and it was, for me, it was bad just because I, not that it was my obligation to tell him and he didn't ask, but it's just, it was a case where I didn't think just professionally, I didn't think it was going to be, you know, a huge issue. I never said that to him. And that's why I don't say anything because I don't have to eat my words. Um, but that one kind of sticks cause it's going to be a huge project where it looked like maybe just a, a simple remove and replace some carpet, do some detail cleaning and some HEPA air scrubbing. But no, it's most likely going to have to throw away the theater chairs. Um, some wall fabric because the uh, air samples came back the highest that I've I've seen since I've done this and for a year and a half uh, so I would say that one just because it was just not expected and the uh, the dollar amount is just climbing um, and it affected his office upstairs as far as the air his office is right above it so it somehow traveled into his office and caused the office to have elevated mold as well and so uh, you're saying insurance does not pay for that huh he has very good insurance. Um, and if it is covered, it's only going to be covered up to 10000 Really? Sometimes insurance companies will try and work it out for him uh, or for, for clients, and they'll try and cover certain items under a water damage category. Basically, they might cover... In this case, will be tough. Cause some, they'll say, hey, you know, the, the carpet could have been dried out. You know, so they won't pay for replacement of that if they treated it like a water damage claim, or maybe they'll say it was category three water, or you know, which is sewage water, or category two, which is brown water, and they'll they'll say, okay, we need to remove and replace that carpet, so we'll cover it under you know a water damage claim versus a mold claim. So sometimes they can get creative with it, but yeah, if I were a gambling man, I would suspect it will not all be covered. Right. Okay. All right. That's good to know. So water. Water damage claim could be a separate claim from an actual uh, mold claim. Correct. But once again, like if you had a, a flood in a kitchen and the cabinets were covered in mold, if it was just water, they would say you can probably dry it out or detach, dry them out and reset versus having to, with mold, you're going to have to remove and replace those. So you won't get the full value. Okay. So uh, are there any kind of like uh, home remedies? I mean, I talked about the Clorox bleach rag and you mentioned peroxide and vinegar. I mean, like, are there like places where people can go to like look at because you know like i hate to see people like have to like you know tear out their whole bedroom because there was mm-hmm. black mold or whatever on the behind the dresser i mean like are there like like resources available for people to sort of like take on like small maybe mold issues themselves i mean as of right now not that i know of and the reason is the sampling is really what determines what level of remediation even for me i if you have a spot here uh 
it's hard to say because you know you want to know if it's stachybotrys and it's a small amount i might not necessarily want you to remove it even though it's under 10 square feet um, so it's all about knowing the type of mold the type and concentration of the mold is really the key factor in determining if it's a level one which is a handyman or level two level three getting into a professional remediation company so it's it's a little tough without having the lab, the lab work to tell you what type of mold. So can I go on Amazon and get like a mold uh, swab kit online? <laughs> I would stay away unless you can find, you know, do your research. The, the key is, is you want to know uh, if you're doing air, you want to have a baseline. And so those, those hardware uh, sampling cassettes or sampling media you get, it's tough because you don't know how long they've been stored, where they were stored, what type of climate it was inside that storage you know, facility. Uh, and then there's no baseline, typically. Uh, if you just set it up in here, you're going to have something grow. There's going to be some sort of mold. You send it up to the lab. You know, I would, uh, once again, if I were a gambling man, it's probably called a sporium or a penicillium aspergillus or basidiospores because those are all commonly found indoor and outdoor molds. Uh, so that doesn't tell you, you know, is it elevated? You don't know because maybe it's just the same as what it is outside. All right, so Kevin, I gotta be honest with you. When I hear a mold guy, I hear big dollars. So like, <laughs> uh, when I am like, you know, like, so somebody finds some black mold behind a dresser, and what you're saying is, is like, there really is no good way for a layperson to like figure out what they need to do about that. So, what does it cost to have you come out and like evaluate something simple, like, uh, like you know, like, like you know, if you're getting ready to sell your house, and you find this black mold behind the thing, right? That's a disclosure item right there, right? You know, so, you know, like it could end up being like this big deal. So, like, how much does it cost to have you come out and like evaluate that? Like, just this is a small yeah. item like that. So typically, I'll charge a minimum charge, and it's two fifty, and that'll get you. You know, the visual and the moisture inspection of that room. I'll use a protimeter survey master moisture meter to take moisture readings just to help beyond what my eyes can see. It'll tell me if there's anything currently wet, because if there is, a couple things. The mold could still be growing, um, and also we want to know why is it wet. You know, is there an active leak somewhere? Um, so that would be 250 You get a full report, you know, with all my photos, recommendations. Um, just a few generic, you know, paragraphs on mold exposure guidelines. Things. But that's like that. not any lab work. That's no lab work. So if you wanted to do a surface sample of that uh, suspect growth, um, it's one twenty-five. So each sample is one twenty-five, whether it's an air sample or a swab sample. Um, that covers, you know, shipping to the lab. So air and swab is two fifty right there, right? So well, plus two fifty for inspection work, five hundred bucks right well, there. Well, then if you if you decided to go air, this is where it does start to add up. You're right. Uh, if you decided to do an air sample, you got to do the in, the interior sample of whatever room. Oh, and exterior sample and too. So now you're really at three seventy five plus two fifty, so you're at six twenty five now or whatever. Exactly. So it adds up. Adds up fast for a little thing behind your. Uh, but are you saying that I wouldn't necessarily need to have those samples? Like if you could come in, you could look at it, you could say, you know what, I would just recommend X Y Z without doing an actual lab work. So it it ties my hands up a little bit, um, and every everyone's needs you know are different. I get it. If you're list if you're listing the house. You're not going to want to spend a ton of money. You just want to find out, okay, you know, this is what we need. This is what I have to disclose and make sure you're covered. Um, so you can have me out, do the visual. Um, you can do this swab sample only to find out what type of mold. Then you're at 375. Uh, and that'll tell you, all right, it's stachybotrys or it's ketomium, whatever. Uh, and then from there, I can decide, you know, if it's a level one, level two, level three. Um, or you can say, hey, just take some pictures, you know, take your moisture readings write up a report and I can make recommendations based on, you know, my professional opinion. It's not concrete. It's not set in stone. It won't be on the areas of remediation portion of the report. It'll just be under the recommendations. Um, 
So, so this is a real world example. So, Kevin, in a few minutes, we're going to go down and check out this property that I'm managing, mm-hmm. and uh, you know they've. The reason why I'm having you go down there is because they said that the uh, vanity in the bathroom smells musty, right? Okay. Or it smells like, I don't know, they, what the, I think they use the word musty, but, you know, it's something like that. And it might be because the vanity is made out of uh, MDF and it's in a room with steam frequently that's not well ventilated. And it could just be that, I mean, there's... I mean, that sounds like a formula for, like, mold, right? I mean, like, in the actual material itself because it's in a damp environment, and it's made out of MDF, probably, right? Um, so, but, you know, I'm going to have you check in the crawl space as well because maybe there's a leak or something like that. So, like, in a situation like this, like, would you go in and just say, like, um, hey, um, you know, like, would you do, like, moisture readings underneath? Or, like, what, what would you what would you do to, like, there is no visible mold, right? You know, and, like, we don't necessarily think that we need to do any lab tests, right? Would you just go and, like, Looking for water or like what? What are you going to be doing exactly? Yeah, so I'll go in once again. I'll do the visual inspection, which is I'm just going to go and look and see if there's any anything out of the ordinary, any visual red flags, are there you know cracks in the paint, which it doesn't necessarily indicate you know a moisture problem. But that's just something that we look for. Is there you know potential you know visible suspect growth underneath the sink, things like that, and then the moisture meter uh, is really key. I'll check around the ankle stops. Uh, I know the toilet isn't necessarily the vanity, but I'll check around the toilet, see if maybe there's a leaky wax ring, um, you know, check around the, the back of the sink, things like that, just to see if there is anything wet. If there's not um, up there, then I'll work my way down in the crawl space, same thing. I'm going to check, you know, underneath the bathroom. Does it look like there's um, anything leaking, you know, from, from the drain line, from, I don't know if there's a shower, from the shower line, things like that. Um, if there's somebody there, it'd be great. They can flush the toilet a few times while I'm down there. Uh, and that that's pretty much it. If I don't find any visual red flags, uh, then I come back and I say, you know, I, I didn't find any visual red flags at this point. Um, I don't have, you know, a direct recommendation on where or what to sample. It's just your preference. So, but I can make a report. Basically, it yes. says, like, here's what it is. And, like, when you do these reports, do you recommend, like, I recommend you put in a, a air filter. I recommend you put in a dehumidifier. I recommend you put in a... Uh, he, humostatic uh, ventilator or whatever. What you call that thing? Humostat control. Humostat control fan. <laughs> yeah, just depending on what I find. Absolutely. Sometimes, uh, you know, if people are okay with it, I'll pop the register and look inside, take a picture inside the ducting. Uh, sometimes it's just you know dirty HVAC system. That's we just had the ducts cleaned a few thing, months yeah. ago, as a matter of fact. So, so that's something that I look at as well. If it's dirty, then I'll say, hey, have the HVAC system professionally cleaned. Uh, but yeah, what. Whatever I see, and it'll be, once again, there are recommendations, and I, I, I don't go overboard. If the duct cleans, you know, it's relatively clean, I'm not going to, you know, put it in there. If if I don't see, you know, the crawl space is pretty dry, there isn't any suspect growth, anything like that, I'm not going to say install humidity that controlled fans. Like I, I mentioned earlier, tip, you know, you can almost go into every home in Santa Cruz County and, and say these things, but, but I don't. I mean, only if it really is, you know, if I think it's necessary. So let me ask you this while we're on the topic. Uh, you know, like I always recommend people get a home inspection and a termite inspection before they list their house for sale. Should they also call you before they list their house for sale to do like a uh, pre-inspection? I mean, there's pros and cons to it for sure. Um, <laughs> I'm just being honest. Uh, obviously, I'm going to say, yeah, call me every time. Um, but it just, it's, it's, it's tricky because if I, you know, obviously you want to disclose and make sure you're on the up and up you know, for liability reasons, uh, it wouldn't be bad. You know, you get ahead of it and show some good faith, you know, for everybody that, you know, might be uh, trying to come and contract on it. 
Right, but then the buyer could say, "Well, why are you getting a exactly. why are you getting mold guy out exactly. here? Like, what's and the issue?" Just, you know, you know, I would say I don't want to say I, I don't want to speak against myself, but typically it, it's in my experience, it's always come from the potential buyer. Right. Oh, really? You've never had a seller actually? I, I have, but, but that's very rare. Huh? Very rare, and that's you know, I had one recently in Boulder Creek, and it was it was pretty obvious. That's another one. I forgot about that, but there were mushrooms growing out of the walls. There was mold, pretty much visible mold and water damage in every room. In every room. It huh? was a vacation home. The house just sat. I walked in and you can hear the mice running underneath the hardwood floor. Um, you can see water sitting on the island countertop dripping from the above bathroom. Uh, oh my God. Yeah, it was actually, I forgot all about this one. The floor was cupping so bad that if you walked in without shining a flashlight, you would have tripped. I mean, so cupping basically, if you picture the hardwood floor pieces, you know, sorry, that's not, that is uh, buckling, sorry. Uh, buckling and it's basically the hard before it makes like a teepee the two right feet. and uh, so yeah there was visible mold on the ceiling there was mold upstairs on the landing pretty big landing area at the top of the stairs it was it was pretty bad so on that one I was called out by by the seller because he knew there was an issue he just wanted to get ahead of it and uh, I think he was going to remediate it to, not him but he was going to hire somebody to remediate before he put it on the market because it was so severe uh, so typically, it, unless you know of an issue and you just want to get ahead of it, uh, that's typically the, the buyer. So that sounds like a lot of work. So uh, what what did that, I mean, did you have to do like multiple like, uh, swabs and air sample so tests? And that's what it goes back to. He said, I'm selling. I don't want to spend a ton of money on, on you know, to have you out. I said, no, I, I get it. So we went through, you know, the different options. Obviously, I said we can do about nine samples in this house, you know, going by the book. According to ACGIH, which is the American Congress of Governmental Industrial Hygienists, um, and EPA, uh, that's where where I get my sampling strategies and protocols. And so, hey, according to these two agencies, we can take about nine. So, um, I believe we did just two swab samples. He didn't have any air samples done. And the reason for the two swab samples is uh, there were two. So we swabbed a bathroom that had a pretty heavy black color. I'm not saying black mold, black in color, along with the mushrooms growing out of the drywall. We swabbed that, and then we swabbed another area that was uh, green in color. So the idea is, is if the mold is similar in color and style throughout the house, you can pretty typically you can get away with one sample. It's safe to assume that what that mold is in the kitchen is the same as you know the adjacent room. Um, so it was two different colors and styles, so we did two different swabs. Um, and so yeah, it came back. With some of the good stuff, <laughs> some of the good stuff, and and then you just referred him to uh, a restoration company. Or? Yeah. So I, if he he hasn't asked yet, but if he asks for uh, referrals, I'll give him some. I don't you know go out of my way and say, hey, call this guy or call that guy, because I don't want it to, you know, be like, why is he so pushy? You know, why is he recommending this company or that company? I try and keep it clean. And if somebody comes to me for recommendations, I'll I'll tell them who and tell them why. Um, but in, in the end, I just I let them decide and I stay out of it. So are there, I mean, are there a lot of companies that specialize in this kind of restoration work? I mean, you used to have a restoration company and... Yeah, you, 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 you look it up, there, there's quite a few out there. Uh, you know, Is there something that, so you, that you should look for in a restoration company? If you're, you know, if you have some, like, I mean, well, first of all, there's the remediation and then there's the restoration, right? Correct. So, like, Not everybody does the remediation and the restoration. Uh, are there anybody that does remediation and restoration? Is there like an all... The like, company that I used to work for, um, Advanced Restoration, does it. And that's, and now Holland Woolley owns Holland that. Holland does, so he, he owns Clean Tech. Oh, he owns Clean Tech and they do only do cleaning, not restoration. Correct. Right. Correct. Um, 
So what's the name of the company that does the both? Uh, Advanced Restoration. Advanced Restoration. Yeah. And they are? In San Jose. They are in San Jose. And, and this is this is your brother, brother-in-law. Brother-in-law. Brother-in-law, right. 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 So he keeps on that. Mm-hmm. He's an honest person. Yeah. Hey, Advanced Restoration, what's their uh, URL on the uh, internet, interwebs? No idea. What's your? What's yeah, your? areinspections.com. <laughs> areinspections.com. So that's the best way to get a hold of you is go to www.areinspections.com. Correct. Right? I'm, I'm uh, probably one of the worst, what we call ourselves, the millennials. I'm probably the worst when it comes You're to You're the worst media. millennial when it comes to like online internet stuff, huh? Yeah, I don't have, I, my wife started a Facebook page for me. I haven't done anything yet with it. If only you would have played more video games when you were a kid. <laughs> this is see, this is your downfall. That's what happens when you don't play video games as a kid. You know, you're not into all this geeky crap. So um, we got to wrap things up here. Um, you know, uh, is there anything that uh, I didn't ask you that I should have asked you? Um, I think that's it. Uh, you were trying to ask about things to look for with remediation companies. You know, just to see if they were you know good and honest. Uh, some of the things that I've come across and. It's pretty silly to, to even say it, but I've actually seen it. Um, if you have mold and you have a guy coming in from you know restoration company A, B, or C, and he says, "Hey, we're gonna get some air movers in here. You know, we're gonna inject foam into your walls. We're not gonna do any any removal. You know, we're just gonna try and you know treat all this mold on the drywall in place. That it's a red flag, especially the air mover, because you do not put a fan. You know, essentially, an air mover is a fan, just a high powerful fan on mold. That's number one no no, because then you're just spreading it around. So. That's just something I've I've come across it at least once a year and it blows my mind that people still, uh, you know, professional companies still have guys that that will throw that out there. I think it's just a lack of education and I get people get busy so they throw people into these positions of, of power and that might not have all the right training. So if somebody throws that at you, maybe you want to push back and you know just see what they're all about. <laughs> <laughs> all right, good deal. So any last parting words of advice to our listeners before we wrap this interview up? No, I, I, I got to tell people you're more than welcome to call me anytime. You know, I, we just went over the pricing and other services aren't cheap. Um, so I, if I'm in the area and you want me to stop by and take a quick look, kind of unofficially, I will. Um, but if you ask me to write a report, then I will have to charge because it'll take more time. But yeah, if you want me to just come take a look, you want to send me a picture and, and just say, hey, what do you think? I'll give you my professional opinion. Obviously, it's not concrete without the lab work, but I'm more than happy to talk to you anytime, any time of the day. And help you out the best I can. Is there a phone number people yes. can reach you on? 831-227-0805. Anytime. So just give him a call and uh, and, and just pick his brain and uh, he'll come take a quick peek for for nothing, which is subject to your availability, right? Obviously. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm here. My office is in Scotts Valley. I'm here every day. Um, so yeah, but you also work in uh, Santa Clara County, God forbid. Yeah, San Francisco. San Francisco. Unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately probably so, a lot of mold up there. I'd imagine. Yeah, huh? I, mean, I even go as far as Vallejo for old clients. Vallejo, so, huh? Right. And how far south do you go? Do you go to like Big Sur ever? Um, I haven't yet, but I would absolutely go. You would, right? Um, Just an excuse to get out. To yeah, in the camping. I've, I've had a request <laughs> to go to Paso Robles, and you know, if I can, you know, take take my wife with me and get away, then then I'll do it. Um, right. So I'm, not against traveling, and uh, so yeah, like I said, any any time I try and uh, give you the the best uh, answers that I can, and I don't claim to know everything. I'm still learning every day, um, but uh, I'll do my best for you. That's for sure. All right, very good. Well, Kevin, thank you so much. I feel like I've learned some very important <laughs> stuff here today. Well, thank you, Seb. I appreciate it. It's awesome. All right, good deal. All right, Kevin. Well, we'll see you around town. All right. See All you right. later. Bye.
All right, that wraps up this episode of the Beta Bay Podcast. I really hoped you enjoyed listening to my conversation with Kevin Core and that you got a lot out of it. You know, maybe mold isn't so scary after all. So um, listen, if you do have any kind of questions about mold, give Kevin a call. As he said in the podcast, he's happy just to let you pick his brain. You know, uh, time permitting, he'll even just pop by your property and just take a quick peek uh, at no charge just to let you know like what he thinks. Um, so that's a tremendous benefit because a lot of people, you know, they see a little bit of mold, they freak out, they don't know what to do. Uh, but now you do know what to do. Give Kevin a call. All right. Uh, before I close things up, uh, I do want to uh, ask you to please like and share this podcast. You know, give me a review on uh, iTunes. That would be fantastic or Stitcher or, you know, Google Play or wherever it is that you uh, get your podcast. I would really appreciate that. And as always, remember that the Beta Bay podcast is sponsored by thesoldbook.com. That's right. Go to thesoldbook.com to get your free copy of my book, Get It Sold. Get It Sold is all about how to quickly and easily sell your home for the very highest price possible uh, with the least amount of hassle and risk. So uh, check it out. It, this book sells for, um, I think it's 13 bucks on amazon.com, but you can get it for free if you go to thesoldbook.com and check it out, if you use a coupon code FREESHIP at checkout, that's F-R-E-E-S-H-I-P, use that coupon code, I'll even ship it to you for free. Yeah, what a deal is that? All right, that wraps it up for this episode of the Beta Bay Podcast, and I'll do my best to have another episode up for you before tomorrow.